We magnify Jesus, your holy name. We just really appreciate you because you're faithful. You continue to make yourself known unto us in marvelous ways. We just exhort you. We glorify your name in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, I just want to share some things very briefly as well. This are kind of reminders about this. And uh, like I often say, marriage to me is not a covenant. I try to explain this sometime. Because covenants are simply agreement between two. And when you sign an agreement, a party of this agreement could probably fail. So I don't always define marriage as a covenant. Marriage is an institution, is an establishment. There's a big difference between covenant and an institution. It is an established institution by God that is meant to be practiced. Amen? Hallelujah. So, I want us to understand it from that perspective. And you, all of you know it from the book of Genesis chapter 2. When he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen? Genesis 2, verse number 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Amen? Hallelujah. So, I want to look at some of these things again this morning as a kind of reminder so that we can have an understanding. It's not good a man should be alone. Remember the first time before God said this, he brought all other creatures to man to look at. And to me, it's like man observed all of these creatures and they were in pairs, but outside of that, they were creatures that man cannot commune with. Man cannot have relationship with the creature, animals and everything that was brought to man. And I feel in that state, man himself starts feeling a kind of an emptiness or loneliness. Or because you, you see that man, in the true sense of it, is a social being. Man reacts or interreacts. So man cannot interact with an environment outside of the one that is a counterpart. So the word help me actually defines the counterpart of the same species. Hallelujah. And so God is saying, the word is saying, well, when God saw this in man, because number one, if you truly want to talk about loneliness, God, I mean man was not lonely. In the sense that he was with God. So you can't say man was lonely in that sense. Because he was with God and God was with him. He was communing with God. Amen? Are you still there with me? But when he saw the creatures, saw the animals and they were in pairs, a feeling of social interaction began to well up in the heart of man. And God said, well, I can see that it's no good of the man should be alone. Let me make him a helpmate. 
a counterpart that is exactly like him, but opposite. Are you getting that? Okay. Praise the Lord. So, looking at that, then you can begin to draw out some, some facts. Because like I said, man is a social being who needs to socialize and interact. It simply means one of the things that really can keep marriage going is your interaction and socializing with your spouse. Amen? Did you get that? To keep it going the way God intended it is to interact and socialize with your spouse. Now, you know, if you go to Genesis chapter 24, time will not permit me to read that, you read the story of Isaac. Okay? Isaac and then uh, Rebecca. And the Bible made us understand that one evening, Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebecca in a kind of, uh, you understand that? They were in a game. They were, in a, they were just having fun together. And Abimelech said, man, this is her husband and wife. Why did you tell me she is your sister? So the proof of their marriage to Abimelech was their gaming together. They were having fun together in the cool of the evening. Social interaction. You need it. It's biblical. Amen? Now, that is the point. So you need to understand that very, very important. And again, you find that man likes to exchange knowledge and information. Now, Adam cannot communicate with animals. Because again, you can't get a feedback. <laughs> Are you getting this now? So, excuse me. So they have to be a counterpart that Adam can not only socialize with, but also communicate with by way of revealing or manifesting certain knowledge that he has. So again, it makes you to see that your wife primarily is the first place of where, I mean, the platform at which you can reveal certain information. And you know that. Sometimes when you are crazy, uh, permit me to use the word, things are going wrong in your mind. Uh, the nearest person you want to talk to is who? It's your wife. Even if you don't want to talk and your face is heavy, that is why you need to really watch one another. The face is heavy. You want to, something is wrong in the mind. And watch this. Anytime somebody is able to speak out, he's get, he or she gets better. If you bottle up for too long, it could result to some other things. Is that okay? Right. So you find again that the marriage setting is a place where you find that the person can be able to communicate and reveal what is in or her mind. And besides that, every revelation. So you see, one of the things is, I think one of the things that led to one of those uh, aspects of the failures in the garden was because Adam could not, I, I wouldn't know, but I don't know. He could not communicate appropriately, because when he made the statement after eating the fruit, and he came back and said, but the Lord did not. Right? It's like initially, Adam didn't tell Eve, this is what it should be. So sometimes, you see, even as ministers, the first person you preach to is your wife. Well, it does happen to me. Sometimes God speaks some things to me, and when I wake up in the morning, I say, look at what God is telling me. I'm already preaching. It's a first place, it's your first platform to reveal certain things in your mind. 
And that is why I should sincerely appeal to ladies who are in marriage to be able to know how to contain certain things that are revealed to them. Because what makes people or your husband not to reveal information to you is your inability to contain certain things that are revealed to you. Amen? Praise the living God. So one of the things you must learn is to be conservative about certain information that your husband can give unto you. Very, very important. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, you know, if you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9, the Bible says two are better than one. I want to him that is alone. Why is it two are better than one? If you check through the scriptures, remember the Bible tells us about uh, ten that will put ten thousand to flight and a hundred that will put ten thousand. I mean ten will put a hundred to flight and a hundred will put ten thousand to flight. The book of Leviticus, all of that. One will chase a thousand and two will put whatever. So you discover that Essentially, when two persons come together to do something, they have more resort than when an individual is doing it. And so God now said, let them have dominion. He didn't say, let him have dominion. Amen? And one of the things that God really, I feel, need to wanted us to avoid is the spirit of loneliness. Because loneliness can lead to a state of melancholy and depression. And that can possibly lead to suicide. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? If somebody is, listen, if somebody, it is commonly said that a, a perfect solitude will turn a paradise into a desert. Amen? A perfect solitude. That is when you are just on yourself. No interaction. It's very, very dangerous. We need to understand that. When a man stays by himself or to himself for such a long time, he doesn't communicate with people, a kind of state of depression comes in, and if care is not taken, as it goes on, he might even contemplate the things that he didn't want to do or say before. And that is why people often say that uh, an idle mind is what? The devil's workshop. Amen. So, one of the things that marriages also assist or help to do is to really cut you off from the state of loneliness and depression. But incidentally too, Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We have, we have seen, even all over the world, that marriage is unable to do this. And why? Because we are not following the instruction of the one that instituted marriage. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We are not. Because First Corinthians 7 tells us precisely the problems that are involved in marriage. It's like marriage is not even solving the issue of loneliness. People are married, but you find they're very lonely. Why? Because number one, they are not bringing in the man. I said that sometime here. You see, if a man manufactures a vehicle, he definitely has a manual to maintain the vehicle if the vehicle is going wrong. The mechanic can just pick the manual, go through, and he can fix the vehicle right. That's the designer's manual. That is the patent right. God gave us a manual. He who instituted marriage gave us a manual. But we are not following the manuals of God. We'd rather choose to go to the psychologist, we go to 
or workshop and warfare this like the case may be. But friend, there's nothing wrong with that. But the truth again is psychology cannot solve your spiritual problems. If you bring in God to your situation, everything about loneliness and confusion that you seem to be experiencing will be taken away. There is a point he struck while he was speaking, which is very important. You can't change anybody, but God can change anybody. Amen? You can't change anybody because even women, we have that which is inbuilt, there is ego in everybody. There is, there is that ego in everybody. It's just built in there. Because that is part of what really defines your personality and your esteem. It is just in everybody. It could be higher in men. But the truth of the matter is, you can't change anybody, but God can change everybody and anybody. So all you need to do, if your husband is not performing, or if you feel your husband is not doing the right thing, the best you can do is to go to God. He who instituted the marriage, you go back to him, you talk to him, and go to his manual, and find out. And sometimes it is not the person that needs to change, it could be you. Because most often, you see, people react to our attitude. So it could be a man. I remember a story sometime, I read... There was this man that was always going out, drinking, coming late, be the wife, and he has a friend. Today we have this uh, <laughs> quiz, and we didn't have so much friend. But this, this guy has a friend, and they were always in beer parlors drinking, and sometimes comes in vomiting, and in fact, he was not enjoying vomiting, and sometimes when he comes down, the woman will vomit, the woman will clean, and 12 o'clock, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., that's when they come back from drinking. And by any time he comes home, this woman will just go put hot water, clean up the mess, give him food, whatever as the case may be. And one day he came back at about 2 a.m. at night. Soon as he entered, he started vomiting. The woman just shrugged, bring basin, everything, cleaning up and all that. Then he woke up the next morning and he said, Can you please tell me, why do you tolerate me in this kind of condition and you don't see anything? He said, I'm your wife and you are my husband. That's the only answer. And the, the, the man said, okay, if that is the case, as from today, I will not drink again. Now, if the woman had gone out fighting and all of that, that would solve the problem. It would solve the problem. Another instance on the spiritual level was somebody who went to church and then... Um, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit and she came back to the house. And she was speaking in tongues, you know, this thing was heavy on her. She couldn't stop. The man said, look, you stop this thing you are doing. The woman can't stop. It was a spiritual matter. Stop and the woman can't stop. The next day the man just entered because the woman spoke like she came back from service. The next day she can't stop. The next day the man just packed his bag and left the house. You take the house and speak in tongues. So the woman got confused, hey man, but I was thinking this is a godly thing. It's costing me my marriage. So went back to the pastor. The pastor said, well, you have no problem. When did he leave? He said, okay, he left yesterday, fine. I'm going to pray with you. Keep speaking in tongues. He's going to come back. But if he come back, say nothing. Don't ask him where he went to. Don't even pick up a quarrel with him. In the night, 
when both of you are sleeping and when you are sure he's sleeping. And give him very nice food that even make him sleep very well. Lay your hands on his head and keep speaking in tongues. So the woman just went back home and waited. I think two days time, the man just came back home very furious. Are you not speaking again? The man said, no, I'm not speaking again. Okay, continue to speak. You speak again, I will leave. No, no problem. And then they went to bed after food. So in the depth of the night, the man, the woman just lay her hand on the head of this man and start speaking quietly. The man woke up speaking in tongues. And he said, where is your church? Let's go and see your pastor. That's how the man got converted. You don't need any quarry to solve any problem. You can pray to God. You can go back to God. There is no heart so strong that God cannot melt. In fact, he will promise to give a heart of flesh instead of the heart of stone is still alive. He can change your spouse, but take your spouse to him. Don't try to do the change because you will not be able to succeed in doing it. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good. And that will take away all of those issues of failures that we're seeing in First Corinthians chapter 7 and all that. Now, number three, am I number three or number four? I don't know. I'm just counting. I'm just going to talk. Again, we'll find that marriage is actually designed for procreation. Hmm? You see, if God was intending to have human being to fill the earth without procreation or process, he would simply do it the way he had angels who don't procreate. Did you get that? Praise the living God. But God finds that Man, he wants man to reproduce himself. He didn't want to create man and begin to say, man, out, man. Just like I said, let there be light. I said, let there be man. And then the whole place is filled with men walking the street. Kind of, uh, what kind of species would that be? Everywhere, man. There will be no beauty, no glory, everything. Just man, hard nose, hard face all over the place. And, uh, eh? and that is why the truth again is, there is nothing that makes anybody who is truly a believer of the Bible to say there could be anything as lesbianism or homosexuality. Gay marriage is completely a slap on the face of God. It's like saying God is not reasonable enough. Because if he wanted men, he wouldn't, I mean, it's a question of saying, let there be men. <laughs> I get what I'm talking about. And the whole place will be full of men. Just like the heavens as we know it are full of angelic beings who don't procreate. That is why the theory that angels, which are supposed to be sons of men, came to have anything to do with the children of men, the book of Genesis 2 is absolutely out of place. I don't want to go into that. Amen? Are you getting what I'm talking about? So, but God intended that you be the one to reproduce yourself. And so, for that to happen, he has to bring in a woman. That is the purpose of marriage. For reprocreation. So therefore, I decree this morning that everybody who is in it, you must reproduce yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because that is God's intention. Your wombs must come alive. Your bodies must come alive. No matter what time and season and age you are. Because that is God's mandate for you. And you must live out the mandate of God in the name of Jesus. Did you get that? So God intended that to be. Because he said, Be ye multiply and replenish. Remember that? 
Okay. And then, it is an intention that the replenishment, because of the word of God, has to be a godly seed. We replenish the earth with a godly seed of our own kind. Because every seed will bring forth its own kind. So one more time, I make this decree this morning. Your children that came out of you must be godly children. Because every seed must bring forward its own kind. Now if you are born again, if you are a child of God, the seed of Christ is in you. Therefore, your seed must carry the seed of Christ. Because every seed must bring forward his own kind. Can I add amen to that? Praise the Lord. One thing again is marriage is a microcosm of the microcosm I mean, of what we call the society. The two persons coming together is the foundation of what you see the larger society is. Amen? And you must understand that society is a place for interaction. There's a kind of an ecosystem. There's a kind of a balancing that goes on in society. Are we there together? So marriage is a miniature society on a larger scale. It is from that man or woman that the entire society come into being. So now, if you study society, socially speaking, you find that, like I said in the beginning, there is a common interaction between fellows, between people. Is that okay? Good. And that is the way it should be. Therefore, you don't have to be married and you don't interact. And that's why we're speaking just now. I mean, some of us who watch films that our wives doesn't watch and so on and so forth. No. It's a... Uh, it's not as if it's bad, but you see, these are some of the avenues by which you can interact, as well as you're getting old. Sometimes, see, there is nothing wrong, you pick your wife and children and you go out to watch good films. Just doing it together. Not just videos alone. Unfortunately, in our cities this way, we don't have things like theaters, we don't have film houses. But in Lagos, you have some beautiful places that are made to understand. Last two months, one of my friends called me and said, I'm going out with my wife and children. I want to go to the film house. I mean, it's, it's an inter- interaction, socializing. You could go to places with your family. Just watch. Hallelujah. So that is the way society is, interaction. So you have to come to the place where you have to have interaction with your family, with your children. I mean, that is how you build a family. Amen? I, I know of a mighty man, I don't want to call the name here because ministry, but mighty man of God, did for things, for God, healing, signs, and wonders, miracles. He was so taken over by ministry that he abandoned his family. There was no social interaction. The wife died out of poverty and sicknesses, but this is a man healing people. And the children, when they saw that their, father, their mother died out of neglect, they all hated God. Such a mighty minister could not produce a minister because of family issues. So there is no way you get so engaged in anything at the expense of your family interaction. Are you still there with me? I want you to know that. Okay, let me run a little bit quickly. Uh, the family setting is one of the best places where help comes from instantly. Help comes instantly from the family circle. We need to understand that. 
It could be emotional, it could be financial, it could be whatever. That is why God has to really build the family in such a way that each person should be able to support one another because the Bible says, help mate. Is that okay? So if a husband is low, there is nothing wrong. Though I'm going to say that because there's a priority for each and every one of us. But if the husband is low, there is nothing wrong. The woman should be able to come to the rescue. Before, you see, now let's look at it this way. If a, if a wife has money, what pride will it be? What glory will it be if the man leaves the home to go and take a loan outside and the woman has money? Does it make sense? The kind of embarrassment that comes to the home because of such a law, such indebtedness, can be averted if the woman instantly comes to the help of the man, knowing exactly who your husband is. That's why sometimes there are some secrets you don't keep. Because it makes your wife not to believe in you. It brings doubt. And so such requests cannot be made. Because by the time you make such requests, of course, they're going to tell you, I don't know what you want to put the money into. Amen? Hallelujah. So, the woman, the man, is supposed to be the next person to really come uh, to meet needs. And so, for instance, when the Bible talks about the launch and meet your need in Christ, I know he said in Christ, but you find that ultimately he uses man to meet your need. Am I right? Yeah. The Lord shall supply your need according to his riches in Christ's glory, whatever it is. But it must come through a person. Hallelujah. So the first person that you're supposed to really derive your help from must be from your immediate family, which is either your wife or your husband. And so therefore I pronounce this morning, God will increase every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That you can become the re-help me. That we, and it's not only the woman helping, the man also helping. So therefore you must have resources that you can pull together to do what you're supposed to do. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. So, we have the issue of suitable wife has meat and so on and so forth. Let me just move on just a little bit. Okay. Uh, what's the next thing I would like to show here? Okay. Let me just move down very quickly to a few scriptures here. Um, I've mentioned it before. Man is somebody that works with knowledge. Right? Are you still there? Okay. He's built with knowledge, he's built with capacity, uh, and therefore it's more important to be able to communicate what he has to his fellow compartment, or as the case may be, because this woman was taken out of the man. The woman can understand the man. And I have to therefore appeal again to every woman, as much as possible, learn to understand the language of your husband. Did you understand what I'm saying? Learn to understand the language of your husband. And he was trying to make us understand the other time there are various ways by which we communicate. You must learn because knowledge has to be passed out. And there are methods by which knowledge are passed out. So you must learn to understand the language of your husband. Uh, compatibility is a little bit of a big problem anyway. Uh, for me, everybody knows me. I am a time person, so I have a lot of problem with everybody. Almost everybody, you know. But then, as much as possible, those who are around you should learn your language. It doesn't mean you speaking alone. Certain gestures can deliver the message. This man wants to live now, or this man wants to do this. Because, listen, 
if Adam, I believe, has properly communicated certain things to Eve, we will not be where we are today. Hallelujah. Now, let me read the scripture. So, to the man, let me just give you some few assignments from the Bible and then we'll, we'll pray. Ephesians 3. I mean, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. I'll read from the Living Bible. There are two things here that we need to read, but it's both for the man and the woman, but just uh, let me get the emphasis. From the Living Bible, I'm going to read this. Ephesians 3.33. 5.33. Ephesians 5.33. It says, So again I say, a man must love his wife as part of himself. And I haven't said it before, no man yet hated his own body. Is that okay? That the next thing is, and the wife must see to it that she deeply respects her husband, obeying, praising, and honoring him. Now, I also believe that when a woman truly loves a man, this thing will not be difficult to manifest. Does that make sense? The instruction is first the man. Here. Let the man love the woman as part of himself. And then let the wife see to it. In other words, try to cultivate the habit. When you say see to it, it becomes a responsibility. Does that make sense? May the woman see to it that she deeply in other words, you are going to cultivate a, a habit of respect, deep respect. You are the one to cultivate it. See to it. That's what he says. Don't forget, we are talking about going to the owner of the institution and the manual he provided for the institution. Amen? Let the woman deeply respect her husband, obeying, praising. Hallelujah. And honoring him. Or you go check up those words. Praising, honoring, obeying. Just go check them up and see how it fit in. And see if you fit in. Because say you have to cultivate it. Praise the living God. Amen. First Timothy. Chapter 5. Verse number 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse number 8. The Bible says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his house, or his own house, he have denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Alright? Okay. The message says, anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith. That is worse than refusing to believe in the first place. And this tells us something. That the father you got married, God also is going to see to it that you have provision to meet the needs of your family. So if there's anybody in this place that have no job, we speak this morning, you got to get a job in the name of Jesus. Because that is one of the qualifications for being a man. May the doors be open for you to get jobs so that you can provide for your home. In the name of Jesus Christ. We are not going to deny the faith. 
The Bible is telling us the only way we can deny the faith here is not to be able to provide. But we are believing God, we should be able to provide. There is no man in this local assembly that should not be able to provide for the family in the name of Jesus Christ. So we call for jobs. I say we call for jobs. And I hear somebody say, I receive it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Alright. Let me say something a little bit again. For the woman. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Let me just read from this one. Or two. Praise God. I'm reading from the the message. It says, your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older women into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom. Into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide older women. Guide older women into lives of reverence. So they end up as neither gossip nor drunks, but models of goodness. Does women get drunk sometimes? I don't know. Verse 4. <laughs> but looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. Primary assignment. Be virtuous and pure. Keep a good house. Be good wives. Oh, come on. I like this one. Amen. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. Also guide the young men to live disciplined lives. But my concern is, may the women keep good house and be good wives. Primary assignment. No matter what your assignment is, no matter, listen, we've seen ministry crumbled, just like I spoke about the minister of God that neglected the family. We've also seen women that neglected their matrimonial home and the marriages crashed because they feel they want to do ministry. But the primary assignment of a woman is to keep the home. The man is to provide. Did you get that? It is, it is the state we find ourselves I have brought things to the place that they are now. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, it's just that it's a state we find ourselves. Otherwise, the woman is to keep the home. That's what the Bible says. That's the primary assignment. The priority for every woman is to keep the home and take care of the children. But the whole thing have reversed today. Women in the office by 7.30, men are cleaning the children for school. No, but that's what we see. Where are you coming from? Doing school run. The, the woman is already in the office. It ought not to be so. It was not designed that way by God. And that is why society is what it is today. Because the women are taking the place of the men and the men are t- going to serve, do the job of the women. I have a friend, he takes care of the children, beats them in the morning, give them food. The wife, 5.30 already off to work. Because where the woman is working is far off and works, you know. So 5.30, I've left the home. Driver has come to pick her. He's the man that wakes up and bates the children. And uh, What do you understand by the language mother tongue? 
mother tongue is simply because the children are more intimate with the mother to learn the dialect of the family. It was not the duty of the father to teach the children to speak the language. That's why they call it mother tongue. But what we have today is father tongue. Because the mothers are not there. How do you want the society to survive? So the primary duty, no matter how anointed you are going to be, the job is well defined. I like it. I believe in the word. Well defined for us. Look at what he said. Can I read it again? Okay. I want to start. I like it. Guide older women. Remember, he's speaking to Timothy, who is a young guy, as a pastor. This is what you do to the old women in the church. Guide other women into lives of reverence, so they end up as neither gossip nor drunks. Drunkenness may not be only an alcohol. Because most often, one of the manifestations of drunkenness is talkativeness. Am I right? And even gossips. So you could, you could be drunk without really taking any alcohol. By the way you live your life. Amen? Verse 4. But looking at them, by looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. So the love is not just to the husband, but also what? To children. But how I many of you understand that we still find women who don't have time at all for children? No means of expressing love. They can go to wherever they come by, just buy one, say, oh, I buy this for you. It is not the gift that the issue. It is the mutual relationship. Praise the Lord. Verse 5. Virtuous and pure. Keep a good house. Not just keep a house. Keep what? A good house. Be good wives. It's not, it's not good for man to be alone. So to meet the need of the good, a good wife has to be brought. And I pronounce every one of you good wives in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And he said, we don't want anybody looking down on the message of God because of their behaviors. So your character and the home, not in the street now, in the home, spells out who you are. And the kind of message you are receiving. That is why sometimes some of pastors were insulted in the street by other people. By your conduct, by your behavior. They can come and say, what kind of church is it going? Who is the pastor? How many of you know that's the first question people will ask? So I'm, a, I'm appealing to you. You cover me a little bit. No, but that's a problem. Who is the pastor? What kind of message does he even preach? Which church does he go to? I mean, behavior. Not in the street. In the home. The way you treat your husband, the way you address your husband, the way, no matter, even if your husband is so stupid, man, there is a way you can approach this man and you still bring honor and glory to God. Amen? Praise the living God. Listen, words are not necessarily how loud or harsh it is. It is the spirit that the words carry that produces. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. How many of you were here yesterday when Tony was preaching? He was so calm, so relaxed, and he wasn't even sweating. But people's life was being impacted. Reaction was taking place. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Words are powerful. It doesn't, it's not the loudness. 
You can change people by making simple statements without insulting them. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 5. Let's see if we can begin to finish up from here. Titus 5. Praise the Lord. Let's look at verse 14. So you just use the word. And we therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to their virtue, speak reproachfully. Okay? Titus 5. Did I say Titus 5? Sorry. I was reading the same thing on the book. Oh, just go to Proverbs, brother. Go to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 18. Let's leave that out. I was just reading the same thing in uh, English translation. The first one was uh, message. So I just read this from... I mean, the first one, King James. So I'll just read the message again. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs 18. Are we there? Whoso findeth a wife, find a good thing and obtain favor of the Lord. Amen? Did you find it there? Verse 22, Proverbs 18. Okay? But there's something I want to show you in Proverbs 19, verse 14. I'm much more interested in that. You see, there is this common language that people tell you sometimes. And they say, well, because Adam went back to God and said, the woman you gave to me, therefore God said, from now on, go and find for yourself. To me, that is not a good theology. Amen? Because chapter 19, verse 14 says something, and I want you to look at it. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from where? So you can't just go finding. You still need to go back to God. Because you may find another one that is worse than if. A prudent wife is from the Lord. So don't just get back looking for. Ask the Lord. Who has the institution to bring the one that is prudent. The word prudent is the same thing as knowledge. The person that has understanding. That's what Proverbs 14 says. A wise woman builds her house or the house. A woman with understanding. A woman that is prudent is the one you need. And that can only come from the Lord. It's not the one you find in the street. Praise the Lord. I remember some time ago, I had a friend. They went to church. And they were in this prophetic ministry. Benin, those days. And as we were in the fellowship, and the pastor just came, you come here, you come here. I brought the two persons together. Lose his bed from his way, tie their hands together. The Lord have joined you together from today. That's my wife. Well, they went into the business. He couldn't walk. Amen? He couldn't walk. They broke up. And the woman finally got married somewhere, got three children now, doing very well. But the man is somewhere reading books for almost 10 years now. Oh, it's one of those things. Because you see, Matthew was saying that. If God doesn't help you, break your marriage, it's a hard place to be. Amen? Very hard place to be. If God doesn't help you, out of the two, one of them will remain frustrated. 
for a very long time. Recovery is very difficult except God is by your side. So you don't jump into it. You got to ask God to take you through it. So that you can build and be established and get to the end. Don't just jump into it. What I'm trying to explain here is it's not the issue of finding. You're walking down the street. Uh, I like that one. Uh, I like that one. I like the nose. I like the eye. Blue. You know. And fortunately, we have a lot of artificial things going on. Eyelashes are just like dog babies. and Several colors on the face. We can't tell. Huh? Fingernails are longer than uh, whatever. In those days, somebody had fingernails. We used to call them wishes. <laughs> How many of you remember that? If you have long fingernails, oh, well, this is a witch. It's a sign of being a witch. Witchcraft. Today, everybody is, you know. So you can't tell. Not the dog of the hair. If I everything about the woman today is artificial, from the hair down to the toes, are you going to pick that? But the real person supposed to be from the inside. So going to look for as by way of finding. May God help you. I am giving you the consequences of, you see, <laughs> hey, praise God. Are you still there? So I want you to understand that because it's very important. All glorious things may come from the Lord. And that is why in Genesis 4, you know what? Abimelech prayed a prayer. I mean, um, for this guy. The servant of Abraham prayed a prayer when he said, go and get a wife. Remember that? In Genesis 24 verse 12, look at what he said. And he said, O God, Eliezer, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed. You know that I will quit me well this day. And show kindness unto my master Abraham. What kind of kindness? Let me get the right wife. Not just, uh, yes, I'm going to get a wife, but let it be the right person for my master Abraham. Show kindness. You know what? May you be the one to select the wife for Isaac, not even me. That was the prayer of Eliezer. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Men, young ones, you need to pray. If anybody tells you, I mentioned that a few days ago, listen, I'm not against dating. I have no problem with that. Quote me anywhere. I have no problem with that. But the truth is, it's not biblical. I'm just being honest with you. There is nowhere, I didn't see any marriage that took place in the Bible through dating. I didn't see it. Here is Eliezer. Go and get one. The Lord led him. He brought Rebekah. That was Isaac. That was Jacob. Even Mary that gave birth to Jesus was a betrothal, not dating. You need to understand what betrothal means. It's completely different from dating. When you are dating, nobody knows what is going on. But when you are betrothed, both family knows, but you don't meet. Do you get the difference? Uh, that's what I believe. If you are married, may we know the person you want to marry. Even if it is 10 years time, let us know this one you want to marry. That is the truth. Not, not dating behind the scene. 
Your father doesn't know. Your mother doesn't know. So you are dating. You date for 10 years. and marry. Six months is gone. So I don't like him again. All the dating you did amount to nothing. That is what the Bible taught. That is what is teaching us. And that is what we should follow. Understand it. If anybody approaches you, girls, tell them if you are serious, you go see my parents. We are not going to any club together. Waka. Where did they? You get what I'm talking about? Go out there. <laughs> well, no, nothing behind the scene. Go there and, and speak your mind. It's not to be, to be done for five years dating. And then by the time you marry for six months, you are bringing a problem. No. Go there. Go there. Because by the time we know who you are, we will tell you in the process whether it you think will work or not. By the time you show up, say, one marry your daughter, we say, I hear you go. We too will put machine for camera. Put camera. We don't observe the thing. Abi, uh, we need to check. We check down to the village too. Huh? We need to check down to the hole where you came from. Because you think it's... It, what do, see, you don't want to pick your data and give it to somebody that you don't know anything about? How can that be? That's why I want to see your face. Not picture. We want to see you. you give us the names of your relations. We want to know where you came from. What you've been doing, what your parents have been doing. We want to know. All this one you are talking about. You see, some of these things, if we go into that, we may avoid all these things you call general causes. Because some people are not your match at all. And the church, to be honest, is not a place for matchmaking or mate matching. What, what do you call that one? Uh-huh. Matchmaking and matchmaking. I don't know what you call that. No, no, no. If God speaks to you, come out. Meet your parents, meet your pastor. This is what this person told me. What do you think? Let's pray. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Praise the living God. So what am I saying? Your marriages are blessed. Come on, stand up. Let's talk to the Father this morning. Let's talk to the Father. Grant us more wisdom, grant us more understanding. So that we know how to walk with Him. In the name of Jesus Christ.